Okay, this isn't creepy at all. We house the galaxy's largest collection of fauna, relics, and species of all manner. I present to you Tanelir Tevar, the collector. Hello, and welcome to a special episode of FW Presents, the anthology show of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. My name is Irredeemable Shag, and I am one of your hosts, but I am not alone. In fact, I'm here today with an all-star cast of network members to talk about our weird obsessive collections. Let's go around and introduce everybody. We're here with Rob Kelly, who is a fanatic collector of troll dolls. What do you say? Hey, Rob. They are going to be valuable one day, and then I'm going to have the last laugh. <laughs> We've got Ryan Daly, who has a passion for airline barf bags. The used, the better. <laughs> We've got Max Romero, who collects, and this is a weird one, the sleeves that you take off umbrellas. Huh. And just those. <laughs> and finally, Chris Franklin, who, of course, is well-renowned for his collection of hotel do-not-disturb signs. Hey, if you're going to take the shampoo, why not take that? <laughs> Now, Rob, as you sit there among your vast, vast collection, this sea of troll dolls, if you will, why don't you explain to everyone today's topic and why we're doing this? Yeah, we are going to be talking about, uh, as Shag just said, our weird, obsessive collections. Uh, this kind of sprang out of the Fire and Water episode 246 that we did, which was about collecting comic books, which was a Patreon suggestion. And that was said, that just centered on how we collect comics, what ways we store our comics, and all that other kind of fun stuff. And then it's sort of, out of that, it's bringing the idea that, well, there's lots of other things that we collect that are not comic book related, because I think once you have the collector bug or the collector gene, uh, it's not limited to one medium. It just spreads out across any other things that you're interested in. So we thought it would be a fun show to talk about stuff we collect that are not comic books. And many of you, we got a lot of positive comments on that episode, but a lot of you asked, we want to hear from the other guys. So we roped in as many of the network guys as we could. So we're really looking forward to this. Before we do that, we do want to take a quick second to thank our sponsors. Folks, this episode is sponsored in part with your Patreon support. Because, you know, running the Fire and Water Podcast Network and, quite frankly, being able to pay for all of Rob's troll dolls requires a lot of cash. And, of course, there's the online hosting and the MP3s and all that stuff, too. But anyway, uh, we launched the Patreon to help us pay the bills a little while back. And you guys stepped up and really helped. And I can honestly say, without your help, the network would not be on the air today. So uh, the best way, if you want to support the network, is by visiting our patreon what's that address rob patreon.com slash fw podcast and while you're there consider supporting the firewater podcast network and at certain sponsorship tiers you'll get mentioned on your favorite firewater shows just like these folks our thanks to david ace gutierrez and gord tolton so please visit our patreon at patreon.com slash fw podcast so what we're going to do is we have a set of questions and we're going to go in sort of a round robin format here and everyone's going to chime in on their various collections and i think we're gonna have some fun so we're going to start off with um here i'll i'll, I'll read the questions out that everyone's going to answer here going around on round one so the questions are going to be when did you start collecting these items and did you transition from a casual buyer to a collector what was the first item in your collection and where do you fall on this the spectrum are you like a hermetically sealed collector do you use the item like if it's records do you play the records or something like that are you a hoarder or something else and has it changed over the years so uh we'll go round robin and as you guys as you get to that each question kind of explain what you're responding to so rob you're up first buddy uh, well, I have a couple of things that I collect. I mean, the first thing that, that really would start at all this and in, in some ways really started the network uh, was Aquaman Rest stuff. Restraining orders? Oh, never mind. Yeah, it was the uh, – no, uh, yeah, it was, was, was Aquaman stuff and, and that uh, – 
back in the far flung days of the nineties. And I heard about this, this thing called eBay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I was sitting at work and instead of working, I was like, I want to hear them, you know, what's this eBay thing. And I logged on and uh, it occurred to me that forever, for whatever reason, the first thing I thought of was, I wonder if I could find that Aquaman pencil case I had as a kid. You would see it advertised in various DC comics because it was like school supplies. And of course there it was, it was on eBay, this pencil, Aquaman pencil case. Uh, it's blue and it has the uh, Murphy Anderson stock art pose of Aquaman swimming on it. And I bought it. It was my first eBay purchase, the first of many eBay purchases. And I got it in the mail. And the person who sold it to me is a guy named, also named Rob from New Jersey. Uh, and he was nice enough to send me for free an Aquaman superpowers tray puzzle featuring some JLJL PBHN artwork. And I, all of a sudden I had two Aquaman items and I, and it never really occurred to me before to like collect Aquaman stuff, but that was the beginning. And then it became like five items, six items, and then it got insane. And that led me to start the shrine, which led me to start the podcast, which like, yeah, so it's like, it all st- it's you, Rob Tello from New Jersey. You're to blame for all of it. I like to think it's kind of like a fight club, Rob, or something like that. You're both new jobs in New Jersey. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's something a different like, guy. I'm sure. Something like that. Yes. So where do you fall on the spectrum? Do you, are you just, do you use the items? Do you really, uh, you know, are you keep them collector? you a hoarder? What do you think? Well, that's the funny thing is that at one point I had probably five, six, seven storage tubs full of Aquaman stuff. And ironically enough, it was the fact that Aquaman got massively sort of popular uh, in the late 2000, right, right around New 52, that really killed it. Because he started pumping out tons of stuff. I mean, tons of stuff. And I remembered I went to, and I would buy it all sight unseen. Because I was an Aquaman collector. That's what you did. You know, I just started buying everything. And then I remembered I went to my local comic book store. And I bought like a $150 Aquaman 12-inch doll from DC Direct. Oh, my Lord. And while it was beautiful, I remember driving home and just kind of looking at it and being like, "Why, why did I why did I buy this? Like, I'm not going to do anything with it. It's just going to sit on a shelf. And this thing is bankrupting me. And that I really started phasing it out after that point. Cause I just realized I can't keep up with all this. You know, back when Aquaman was not on a lot of stuff, uh, I could, I could buy it as it came out. But once DC direct started pumping this stuff out, it just became economically and, and spatially unfeasible to keep collecting. And that's when I decided, all right, I'm only going to collect the stuff that I really want, which is like some vintage item or something really cool. But that was really the beginning of the end of it. And it said it was ironically because Aquaman got popular was I started going in the other direction. <laughs> you were, uh, you were an Aquaman fan before it was cool. I, absolutely. Well, it's never really been cool, but, but yes, I would say that's the case. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ryan, you're up, buddy. There are a few things that I, I collect, um, and most of them now, you know, besides comics and everything, are still in the the action figure realm um, that mostly hit my my nostalgia buttons or something like that. Uh, and it really kind of started uh, about ten years ago when I discovered um, the the twenty fifth anniversary series of GI Joe. Um, which was, you know, Hasbro started re-releasing their their GI Joe, a real a real American hero line, uh, but they did this 25th anniversary series, which was they took the classic characters from the early 80s and like the original designs, what they looked like back then, 
and but they had re-sculpted them, remolded them. They were more articulate. They looked better and everything, but they had the original like box art and the same kind of packaging and style. So it was a very kind of retro cool thing. And I had I had so many beloved memories. I mean, GI Joe was my thing for most of my childhood. Um, and, and I love that. So I started picking up some of those figures and then it was just more and more. And I wasn't getting all of them, but I was getting most of the ones that I could find. Um, and then from there, you know, kind of spiraled. And, and I basically just stopped because the line ran dry or it just became harder to find characters and, or they started doing, releasing like some of the later, like late 80s, early 90s characters that I just wasn't interested in collecting. So I, I kind of phased myself out of that one. It just ran dry. Um, and then like sort of hitting the same buttons uh, a couple of years later, Star Wars Hasbro starts doing more Star Wars action figures. They've actually never really stopped putting out Star Wars figures since like 1997, which is 1996. <laughs> um, but they started doing this vintage collection, which has the, again, it's new molds of classic looking characters from the movies, but old school box art. And that one started, I think, I, I, I was in the, like a, I was in a, like a Walmart or a Target or something, and I saw there was one. It was a Rebel A-Wing pilot, but it had a Mon Calamari head on it, like looked like Akbar's head on this Rebel A-Wing pilot. And I was like, "What the heck is this?" And it turned out it was from like a special edition, like feature on the the Blu-ray of Return of the Jedi. Um, but I mean, Shag, we've talked about how much we love the X-wing, you know, novels and, and, mm-hmm. comic books and things like that. And the the ships and the pilots, those things were always a big thing for me. So I just kind of got it as a novelty. I was like, this is a funny little Rebel A-Wing pilot with a Mon Calamari head. It looks like Akbar put on a suit and he's jumping in a Starfighter pilot. Star- <laughs> so that was kind of funny. And then I, you know, I just decided to look at it. I was like, okay, well, where else is this bring? I was like, oh, there's a Wedge Antilles figure that looks really Okay, I, I, <gasps> I should probably get Wedge. Uh, and then there, oh, there's Dak, Luke's gunner from the battle. And I ended up getting almost 20 different, like, rebel pilots in like their X-wing gear or B-wings or Y-wings or things like that. And different species, characters from the movies, characters from the comics. And like that just kind of launched me into collecting Star Wars toys again. And then I branched out and I was like, all right, I'm going to get some of the bounty hunters from Empire Strikes Back. And I got all six of them. Uh, and then it just kind of like just piecemeal some of my favorite characters. And that kind of just, I was like, okay, I kind of moved on. I, I It's a weird sort of the habit just kind of went away. Um, but I'll still, like, if I randomly see, I was like, wow, they released a figure of the power droid. I got to get the power droid. Uh, it's the gawk. <laughs> um, and then now probably the more of my time and money is going to the six-inch Marvel Legends figures. Um, where I'm, I'm getting most of the ones that are, I don't get the ones that are based on the movies, the MCU or the, the video games. It's all the comic book based ones and they have to have a sort of vintage retro look. So the characters or the, if they're, if they look like they're from like a late 2000s X-Men comic, I'm not really interested. Um, but if it's, you know, if it's like the new Warriors Night Thrasher or if it's, you know, uh, it looks like the original 1960s Iron Man, then yeah, I'm all about that. Um, and th- those are really kind of my my personal collections. But uh, then, I mean, I I also have a, have an eye towards the future and thinking about what my son might like. Um, so I've been I've been collecting some Transformers toys that I I keep. I'm hoarding those in a box to eventually give to him when he's a little bit older and he's able to actually do the the transforming in himself. And he's not just going to break them the first time he opens them. 
Um, sure, they're for your son. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one that I, I was kind of mentioning beforehand is um, the little golden books um, that you can find in every bookstore. They, they have like, you know, all of like the, you know, the whatever, the, the milkman, all, all of like the old children's stories that you mm-hmm. used to get. They have started branching out and covering all of these things. Like they, they license all of the Marvel stuff, all of Star Wars, Star Trek now. There's Ghostbusters. They just bring into all these other territories and things like that. And DC, like Super Friends, uh, Super Pets too, stuff like that. Um, and I started getting all of the Marvel ones and, and they, they would tie them into, they're not based on the movies, but like when Black Panther came out, there would be a Black Panther little golden book that has some elements of the movies and some elements of the comics and, and characters like that. So I've got about like 20 or 25 of those on his bookshelf. And we look at those from time to time. That's, that's how he has kind of grown to how he knows who the Hulk is and who Iron Man is. Cause I haven't shown him the movies, but he recognizes those characters from books and, and from some of the toys. So that little golden book for human centipede. I mean, that was kind of a surprise <laughs> yeah. when they did that one. So you didn't, you didn't specifically say, like you mentioned the star Wars figures are on the cool classic packaging. So does that mean you kept them on the packaging? Cause that's part of the deal or did you take them out? And Ironic- I know, I know the Marvel <laughs> figures are out. I've seen the pictures of that. Yeah. Ironically. No, I like, that's the thing. Like with all of the toys, as soon as I, as much as I loved that, that box art, I can also look at it online. Uh, no. So I, I open I open the toys or whatever, and then I would like put them on the shelf, and then I would need that shelf space for something else, and then I would put the toys away. And <laughs> so most of them, so yeah, uh, yeah. So it's yeah. The the ones that are still in the box are the Transformers, and the ones I've been getting are, are the recent generations figures, um, and it's it's specifically the ones I'm getting are based on the 1984 Generation One Series One figures. So. Uh, unfortunately, Rob, not the ones that we saw in the animated movie. Like all of the characters that got killed in the first five minutes of those. Right. <laughs> those are the characters that I'm collecting the toys of. If you store Transformers toys in boxes, how do you tell what's the toys and what's the box? <laughs> how, how long has he been waiting to use that? Oh, my gosh. Uh, about five minutes. <laughs> that was gold. All right, Max, buddy, you're up. Well, actually, first I wanted to ask Ryan, are, are you going to teach Reese how to make the Transformers noise? <laughs> I bet he can do the noise better than I can. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, uh, do you guys know what a cabinet of curiosities is? I do not. I've heard. I've heard. I've heard a book called Cabinet of Curiosities. Yeah, it's basically just a collection of random weird crap, and that's kind of my aesthetic. (laughs) So, um, you know, I I have, uh, I guess, a lot of varied interests, and um, I pick up a little bit from everything. So, I, you know, obviously, I have. Classic man figures and you know paraphernalia and stuff like that but um i also i also collect uh vintage dice and um coin tokens like <laughs> you know like uh bathroom tokens and arcade <laughs> tokens and you know stuff like that and um you know just just kind of random stuff but what i'm going to talk about today actually is my beloved collection of uh small collection of uh, random house storybooks uh, oh. based, based on, um, you know, different movies and um, my Moldorama collection. Right. <laughs> You're all like, Moldorama? Like, you grow in mold spores? <laughs> no. Uh, well, you know, you know, Chris knows what it is. Moldorama is, um, they're, sm- they're small wax... Uh, 
sorry, my cat is going crazy. They're small wax figures that are made in a machine, and you you put your money in. They're three dollars. Oh, yeah, that's you, what those. Are. Okay, yeah, right. and you put you put your money in, and it's basically uh, like a plastic injection machine. And, ah. and it spits out uh, a figure, and it's usually based on uh, whatever you know touristy place that you're visiting. And what I found out was that the company is actually based in Brookfield, um, Illinois, which is not far from you know it's a suburb of Chicago, basically. And so Brookfield Zoo represent yeah, <laughs> and so there is a ton of Moldorama in this area. And the first time I ever saw Moldorama, actually, I was about eight years old, and this was in San Diego. I was at the San Diego Zoo. And um, so my first my first uh, piece of the collection, which I no longer own, but in my, in my heart it's always there, was uh, a blue panther figure. And I had that forever, but Moldoramas are hollow. They're, they're not easy to keep from getting scratched and, you know, destroyed and, and that sort of thing. Uh, so I don't have that one anymore, but when I moved here from Austin, uh, I just went, I started going nuts, <laughs> you know, because my <laughs> wife and I like to visit museums and that sort of thing. And almost every museum here ha- or zoo has at least a couple of Moldoramas. And so I've been slowly collecting them as I go. That's awesome. Hey. I, I know that Universal brought back the Frankenstein this year, Max, at mm-hmm. the Universal in Florida, uh, the theme park. Um, yeah. they made yeah. one years ago at, at universal you could get like in the 60s and the 70s and mm-hmm. and uh, they, they brought it back this halloween season of course the bad thing is it was during a pandemic when most people couldn't or wouldn't go down there to get one but uh, hopefully it'll stay there when this is all over and we can go it, get one <laughs> it's put a real crimp in my collecting but the yeah i mean and they have uh they have special molds for christmas and for halloween and uh you know just different events and um there's actually quite a few of them, and so it's it's going to take some time. But yeah, that's um, that's something that I try to actively something I try to actively collect. And and you know, I'm I'm generally a, a very casual collector. I and but I do have uh, sort of a rule for myself. I I don't I don't buy stuff off of eBay or Amazon or stuff like that. I like to find it in the wild, basically, or to, mm. go, to collect it myself. The thrill um, of the hunt. Yeah, the thrill of the hunt. And so, um, you know, I need to go to these places to get them. And especially especially this sort of thing because, you know, it's they're kind of a, of a tourist sort of thing. And it feels um, – it doesn't feel right to get a tourist thing to, for somewhere that I haven't gone. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, and there's there's a ton of them, and there's there's seasonal ones, and and uh, if I really want to get hardcore, some people collect them uh, based on color because they can be in different colors in different places, and uh, yeah, I'm down, I don't think I'm going to go that that nuts, but but uh, yeah, that that's my uh, that's my my not my main collection, but that's one of my active collections. Max, is, is Moldorama like a, a name that the collectors over the years have given it, or is that like an official? almost like a brand like are there are some wax figures that are not considered moldorama or is it like anything that's in that style is just considered that thing as for, no the it's the name of the company oh it's the name of the company gotcha yeah okay. it's okay. the name of the company and the name of the of the the object i guess it's a moldorama gotcha. okay um but i've never seen any 
I've never seen one that wasn't a Moldorama. It's possible that there is, but I've never seen one. I'm I'm Googling right now Moldorama, and the machines are so cool looking. And you're right, across the top, yeah. in big, bold letters, I mean, giant yeah. Moldorama. And you can see all the piping and the tubes and the way it makes the die press and everything. That is really neat. Yeah, it's and the the machine. If if anyone wants to go look it up, it's it looks very retro. You know, it's, it's, oh yeah, it's a big bubble uh, dome on them because you can watch it. You can watch it as the as the as the Moldorama is being made, and it's bright lights and it's you know it's very <laughs> it's very uh, kind of like early '60s sci-fi looking, and uh, and it's a lot of fun. And you know, and the thing is, and you know, obviously we can't do it, but the Moldoramas have a distinct odor. When, when they're when they're first made, and, and it's like this this hot plastic kind of kind of scent, which you know just takes me all the way back to San Diego every time. There's so many inappropriate things I can say about that right now. I'm just going to pass right over that. Um, I'm, I, I want to mention Max that when you when you said that is um, one of the first when the internet was just starting to bubble up, like and I started had access to it. Uh, there were a lot of like monster collectors. I think they were like one of the like early adopters of the internet. Mm-hmm. And somebody had a picture of a Frankenstein wax figure. And they talked about that they got it when they were a kid in the sixties. And they said it, it was at a theme park and it was a machine that would make the figure as you watched. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard of such a thing, but I thought that sounds like the coolest damn thing I ever heard of. But I'm, and now I'm looking at it now. That I bet that's what he was talking about was Moldorama. That had to be yeah. the machine. And I'm like, that just sounds so like. Imagine a machine that would make a Frankenstein figure while you watched. I was like, oh man, I oh I would have killed for that. Yeah, <laughs> no, they're they're pretty great. They they are. Pretty, and the the Frankenstein, you know, as Chris was saying, that that Frankenstein is it's um, if I'm remembering correct, it's it's basically kind of a bust. So okay. it's it's you know Frankenstein from the shoulders up, and yeah, it has that <laughs> has that very. Um, uh, you know, old school bolts in the neck kind of kind of look to it, you know. And they have a lot of they have a lot of weird things, you know. They have tiki heads and buildings and uh, a bust of Lincoln, <laughs> you know. There's, <laughs> there's all, all sorts of things. So it's it's uh, it, it's a it's a neat thing, and it's uh, it's unique, which is one of the things I like about it. That is really cool. I mean, something I had never heard of, and now that I've seen, I'm just dying to see it in action now. That's amazing. <laughs> well, Chris, what do you got, buddy? Well, um, from Moldorama to Blow Moldorama, uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I've obviously, if anybody's listened to uh, those wonderful toys on the FW Presents feed or watched our YouTube videos of, of wonderful toys and seen my collection, they know I collect a lot of, a lot of stuff mostly comic-based stuff, but uh, one thing that's brought up a lot uh, by you guys to pick on me about uh, <laughs> in, in, in jest is my obsession with uh, blow molds. And in case you didn't know, blow molds is basically the term used for lighted plastic lawn decorations. I mean, they don't necessarily have to be lawn decorations, but it's basically the plastic lighted decorations that you see out in people's yards at Christmas time and and, um, you know, the, not the, not the air blown inflatables. Those are, those are something different, but, uh, blow molds are called that because of the blow molded process. The plastics, uh, thing is made, uh, the way it's made because they're hollow inside and that way you can put lights in it and you can, you know, weight it down with bricks and sand and things like that. So 
Now, uh, now, in our defense, we do pick on you, but you change your profile picture every day the month of December on Facebook to a new blow mold. So, I mean, I, you're setting yourself up there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I, I do. I, I've, it, and, you know, it's kind of funny because I started out, you know, just with one as, as a kid in high school. I, I wanted this blow mold that, of Santa Claus that they had at Walmart. I mean, I was still living at my parents' house, and – and we had a few smaller ones when I was a kid. Um, of, uh, like we had a ghost at Halloween. They make Halloween ones too. And, and we had a, an old Santa Claus that I don't even know if technically he's a blow mold because he's like a made out of a harder plastic. And I actually still have that one and the ghost. But, um, but I, I wanted this, this big, tall, I mean, it's not life size, but it's close to life size as they make of Santa Claus. And, so, um, I think, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I can't remember if my mom bought it for me or I bought it. And once I got it, my grandfather who taught me everything I know about exterior illumination, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he had to have one too. So he got one. Uh, and then I got a reindeer and, and because I'm the type of weirdo guy I am, I cut the nose off my reindeer and ran a light bulb th- up through his nose and made a Rudolph out of him. Of course uh, you did. Of course I did. Uh, so <laughs> I had those out in my yard when I was still in school and, you know, at the at my parents' house. And, and uh, you know, when I when, when I got out of college and, and got, uh, you know, got a job and Cindy and I were already married and and uh, I, I came over. I lived, actually rented a house for my grandmother next to my grandmother. And she's like, well, you can put your, you know, your papa's old Christmas decorations out. I don't put them out anymore. And so I'm like, okay. Uh, and so I put, you know, my, my grandfather's copy of, of the big Santa Claus out in my yard. And so when I moved, my grandmother's like, oh, just take that with you. That's fine. You can have it. Uh, so my dad's got mine in his yard and I've got my grandfather's, which is kind of cool. But my dad, it's kind of funny because Santa's holding this bag in front of him. So his, from behind, his arms are kind of going around and kind of resting uh, like around his crotch. So my dad always says Santa's whizzing in the front yard, which uh, <laughs> <laughs> he said he had to move him this year because the grass was dead where he'd set him all those years. Cause he'd been whizzing. <laughs> but, but anyway, so this is the kind of humor that, you know, appeals to me and my father, but uh, no. So I, you know, eventually, you know, over the years I'd pick up, I, I never like until recently, I didn't like actively look for him. It's just like over time, I got one here and one there. And then before you know it, I've got close to 20 in my front yard. Uh, and I'm like, hey, you know, uh, I have a collection of these things. And I, I kind of dig them more than anything else, you know. And so I kind of like focused in on them more. Uh, but I'm kind of like Max because I don't – they have them on eBay, of course. And there's Facebook groups that you can follow and – but the thing is, they're so huge that the shipping is horrible. Um, mm. I mean, like they, you might find a Santa Claus that's like 50 bucks, but you're going to have to pay 50 bucks to ship it. So it's a hundred bucks. So it's, it's crazy. And so I like to find them in the wild as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I do use them. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't keep them hermetically sealed or, you know, they're not, sometimes they come in boxes. I've never, found one that was in a box but myself but i don't uh, you know i put them out in the yard for display and i mean they they do get blown over by the wind and i've had a few i have a god help me i have a dracula that fell over and it cracked his face all the hell 
Um, yeah, and I, I've never been able to throw him out. I just can't do it. He's still down in my building. <laughs> I probably should throw him away, but I just can't. Because one of these days, I'm like, I don't know how the hell I'd ever fix it. But he uh, fell in a patch of garlic. He did. I think he, I, you know, I think Peter Cushing was out there smashing his face in or something. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's I, I do, I do, uh, I do. You know, keep them on display. I put them out. A lot of people that collect them, don't put them outside. You know, they're like, Oh no, 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 you can't do that. The rain and the weather. And, but you know, I just, I love driving home at Halloween and Christmas. And, and, you know, I love it to see my house look like, Oh damn, look, it looks like my yard's on fire. Uh, <laughs> is your house on fire, Clark? You know, <laughs> it's just Bethany. a matter of time to let Clark reference. There we go. No, and Bethany. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, it's yeah, it's so it's it's kind of be you know Danny's gotten into it. she's constantly finding hey dad you ever seen this daddy you ever seen this seen this and so you know she's become like my my blow mold uh, buddy she's kind of like you know on the, like the devil on my shoulder saying look daddy won't you buy this I'm like I don't need to buy that right now you know so, <laughs> yeah. so that's 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 one thing I've become like you know the bad thing is is that it, it's kind of like what Rob said with um, Aquaman because. In the last few years, the stores have started carrying them again. So, like, Lowe's uh, starts carrying them. Walmart carries them. There's a, a, a regional uh, hardware store, kind of like a Lowe's called Menards, uh, mm-hmm. that had a ton of them. And and um, and maybe Menards is more national than I think. But, mm-hmm. but and, and they, you know, they, they've got them by, you know, the dozen. And so now that's also made the price of the vintage ones go up because they're charging 50, 60 bucks for a new one. Well, this old one's got to be worth a hundred bucks. So, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of making it harder to find, um, find them. Although last year I was driving home, this was right after Halloween and there was a cat, a blow mold cat. That's like resting on a, a jack-o'-lantern and a ghost. And they're both about, like 30 they're like over three feet tall they're like around 40 inches tall so the big ones they were sitting along the side of the road thrown out for the trash <gasps> i almost wow. did an automatic bat turn in the middle of the day <laughs> to turn around and go get them and danny was with me and i'm like was that what I, oh my god was that what i think it is and i like you know turned around and like whipped i mean i almost stopped in the middle of the road i mean to, to get them and i mean i couldn't throw them in the car fast enough and they were dirty as hell they hadn't even been on display that Halloween because they were covered in cobwebs and dirty as hell, but by God, I cleaned them up and they look great this year. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess it's my turn. So, um, yeah, obviously uh, I'm a big comic book collector. I could talk about a Firestorm action figure collection, but that would just be, I've got this one and then I've got this one and all their hairs are on fire. But uh, for me, I-, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, probably the only other thing I can think of that I collect, which is Doctor Who novels. And I started collecting these books back in the fall of 1983 when I first became a fan of Doctor Who. And back then, uh, they were simply novelizations of the TV show. Like they had the TV show episode, and then they would release a book that adapted it. Um, now, the books didn't start till the 70s, and they, then they exploded in popularity in the 80s. And this was really the only way to relive the stories back then. You know, we, we didn't have the, the VCRs. They didn't have picture books. They didn't have action figures or bed sheets and posters, at least not here in America, in, in mass distribution. So the books were really the only available thing you could have tangible to celebrate your love of the show. 
So I started buying them. Um, they're back then, at least those that were uh, the novelizations were, were short. They're only about 125 pages, and they're really designed for kids. It's a quick read. I mean, adult could enjoy them too, but I mean, it's really targeted at you know, I don't know, middle school, late primary school age. And these are what gave me my love of reading. It's not that I hated reading before that, but I didn't love reading. But reading these just it. it excited me and I always wanted to read the next one and the next one and the next one. And you hear nowadays about like certain books that made a kid passionate about reading. I mean, some of us have children and we've experienced ourselves, you know, maybe, maybe your kid fell in love with reading through Harry Potter or Hunger Games or Maze Runner, you know, whatever. For me, it was these Doctor Who books. And there was one very prolific writer and his name was Terrence Dix. And, um, I mean, there were a bunch of writers, but he was like the, the one who wrote the most. And Terrence Dix, he worked in the TV show and everything too. But then years later, he started writing these books, you know, basically for a paycheck. And he, he's a legend in the Doctor Who realm. When you talk about these books, Terrence Dix's name always comes up. Well, a few years ago, I actually got a chance to tell him that he played a large role in my own personal passion for reading. So that was kind of a cool moment. The the first one I ever bought, and this is going to be meaningless except for like David A. Gutierrez and Siskoid. But anyway, it was Keys of Marinus by a, a writer named Philip Hinchcliffe. And this is a story from 1964. I bought the book in 1983. So it's like 20 years after the TV story. Uh, now, it only been the book itself had only been published a few years prior. But I mean, you know, a third or what, 83? So an 11-year-old kid getting interested in a story that's 20 years old that's about the first Doctor, who, by the way, is just this grumpy old man. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so I was like, it's, it's prob- probably not the target market. But they did something really smart. They didn't put the grumpy old man, the first Doctor, on the cover of the book. They just put a picture of the TARDIS. So here I am, this little kid, and I'm like, oh, it's the TARDIS. Okay, yay. And I read the back, and it sounded exciting. And I read the book, and I loved it. Now, if they put the first Doctor on the cover, probably wouldn't have bought it. So I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that uh, I found that one first. And as far as where I fall on the spectrum, as far as collecting, you know, do, are you a user? Or do you just display whatever? I absolutely use the books. I love them. I read them. In fact, I just read one last month. All right. Well, man, hold on. I have a question. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about this. So, like, yeah. I'm interested in the, the idea of what when something is collecting or when something is simply enjoying the thing, whatever it is. Because, like, I don't think of – like, I have every – uh, of course I do. I have every Bob Dylan album on CD, right? <laughs> right? But I don't think of myself as a collector of okay. those things. I just get them because I know I like the artist. And so to me, it's like in a, in like I, if you told me you collected Doctor Who stuff, mm-hmm. I would say that's the total collection. But to me, it's like like do you get every Doctor Who book that comes out regardless or you, is your love of it restricted to a very specific like – this kind of Doctor Who book, because that's I mean, great... imagine there's so many books you probably can't keep up with them all. Oh well, that's the issue. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I'm going to reserve, if I can, my answer to that to, to round two because it actually okay. goes specifically into that. But you're right; it's it is it is hard to distinguish between when you're a collector versus just someone who uh, you, enjoys something. It's it, it's a very interesting distinction. You know, record collectors, especially, you know, right. they just like listening to the record, or do they want to own them all? And I'm I, I fall somewhere in the middle. So why don't we start round two? So the questions in round two are: How many of these items do you have? And I think once I say the number, Rob, you'll see why it's a collector. Um, do you maintain a list or a want list? How do you store them? Do you sell or trade these items? And do you worry about condition? So, Ryan Daly, we're going to start with you, buddy. Um, I, I have literally millions of, of these action figure things. That I could. No, no, not enough. <laughs> um, uh, for the, the Marvel Legends, I've got over 100 right now. Um, I do keep a list of the ones that I have as well as a wish list of either ones that have been announced but have not come out 
Um, some of them I have pre-ordered, some of them I haven't. Some of them I have a list of like ones that I was like, you know what? If I see that one discounted, I don't know if I want to pay full price for you know for the White Rabbit as much as we all love that, <gasps> that Spider-Man character. <laughs> um, but you know, if I see one in, in the wild, it's a little bit cheaper. Then maybe I'll do that. Um, I have a wish list of ones that I hope they will make, like a classic Doctor Strange, which for some reason the the newest Hasbro line hasn't done. Um, but you know, th- things like that. I've got um, I've got. Uh, about 70 Star Wars figures from like the, the, and again, this is just like from the, the vintage collection and black series that started in the, I want to say mid 2000. No, no. Some of these were early, very early 2000s. Um, but, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I did, I did, I was the type of, and part of it was because knowing that I would get rid of the boxes and then I would just kind of have them in different places. I created the lists just as a, a way of reminding myself, okay, which ones do I actually have? And like, if I need to go shopping, I need to look up, wait, do I have that guy? I don't even remember. <laughs> in terms of where I, how do I store them? You know, they're not in bags. And now, honestly, since I had a stupid kid, I don't have the place, like I don't have a toy room like Chris to display all of these almost all of my stuff they're just in like storage bins or in like sandwich bags like in other boxes and stuff in like a storage basement um, <laughs> where it's actually more inconvenient to access them I, you know if I get new ones you know I, I'll take a couple down at a time uh, and, and there's just like this sort of fantasy in my head that eventually I'll you know I'll, I'll be able to have the room to, to display these or do something with them but Looking at the economy, I'm, I'm never going to be able to buy my own house with a room where I can do that. That's just not going to happen. So this is all, you know, a stupid pipe dream. Uh, sorry, I'm depressing myself. Um, <laughs> Let's go um, back to talking about the White Rabbit. See, that was happiness. <laughs> <laughs> um, do I sell or trade these items? I have not, although, you know, I, I certainly have enough things that I was hoping to leave to Reese. And if he just kind of looked at him, he's like, no, I'm not really interested in that, I would say. Okay, let's let's go to eBay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in terms of the condition, um, I, I want them to be in good condition, but I, it depends if if my plan is to display them for my own enjoyment or if my plan is to eventually pass them on. And I, I've kind of gotten to the point where once I bequeath them to Reese, I'm expecting them to be broken. Um, because he's going to break, because he's a little kid, but he's right. also, he's, he's going to break them because he's playing with them. He has already broken a Batman figure. He has already broken a G.I. Joe figure. See, he's and, over his Batman phase. Yeah, yeah, that, that didn't last. <laughs> um, but I'm okay with that because, you know, those, you know, having watched all of the Toy Story movies now, you know, and after, after crying at how emotional they make me, one of the things that I love is that, you know, these things... I know. I part of me. I do love the collecting. I do love the posing. I do love having them on the shelves to look at. But I also want them to be enjoyed because that's all I did as a kid was play with toys. Yeah, that's awesome. Fantastic. Uh, Max, you're up, buddy. Uh, okay. Uh, I have looking at them now. About I, I have ten Moldoramas, uh, and I have a lot of work to do because <laughs> there are. Uh, I think. Um, a little more than 60 machines in operation right now. Uh, you know, mostly here in the Chicago area, but also in Minnesota and uh, just different places across the country. And I believe there's like 124 different machines. So that's 124 molds 
and uh, yeah, I'm like a little less than 10% there. So, <laughs> so there is just one character per machine. There's not like different molds inside there. No, it is just ah, one. Yeah. Wow. That oh, is really why? specific. That's cool. That is part of what makes it hard to collect <laughs> because, <laughs> because, uh, which is what I appreciate about it. Also, you need to go to this machine to get that figure. Um, what an insane business model! Yeah, and, and, they've been, <laughs> and they've been doing it since the '60s. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a crazy thing. And uh, you know, from what I understand, they have maintenance people who go out there and make sure it's still working. And, and sometimes they'll they'll switch out the molds, you know, for for the holidays and things like that. But so yeah, so you know, when I went to the Lincoln's the the Lincoln Park Zoo, I got my I got the gorilla <laughs> from the yeah. Lincoln Park Zoo. Uh, you know, and you know, just like from the field museum, I got a, I got a bunch of dinosaur figures and from the, uh, museum of science and industry, I got, um, a, a John Deere tractor and, uh, the, the space shuttle and a German U-boat and, you know, just things wow. like that. So it's, it's specific to, because these are all things that are in those museums or in those areas. You know what I mean? So they reflect the place that you're in which i think is what what really makes them unique as a souvenir and and just you know the way they're made and the the uh, the material and all that sort of thing so um yeah so and and that part of what i like about the collecting too is the idea that of of going to these places mm-hmm. of, of having to go go to the lincoln park zoo to get that gorilla to have to go to wherever i need to go to to find a, a particular figure i mean that that kind of makes it like a more like a treasure hunt almost there's some there's some moldorama machine in your belinda california that is still pumping out dick nixon mold figures and <laughs> yeah <laughs> no it, maintenance it is, guy has ever changed it out it is crazy <laughs> it is crazy the stuff that they have and you know some of them are for like some oil company that i don't think even exists anymore oh just, my gosh you know stuff like that and it's it's just crazy and i'm i'm sure some of these i will have to to break and buy on ebay or somewhere because i don't know if they even make these molds anymore mm. so um this, yeah, this really I, this really feels like a, a a documentary road trip movie waiting to happen <laughs> of you traveling America finding Moldorama machines and just the victory of getting each one. I th- I can see it. Give give me the money documentary Hollywood. I'll do it. <laughs> so so yeah, I don't I don't have a lot of them, but, but you know, I, like I said, I haven't been able to collect them since I was 8 years old. <laughs> so I've really just started this this uh collection since I've moved here, which was about four years ago. And also I don't have a car. I, I use public transit and uh, some of these places are very easy to get to, you know, like the, the field museum is, you know, on the main drag of Chicago and uh, on Michigan Avenue. And, but some of these are in the suburbs, which are not easy. I was looking at Google maps earlier today to see, you know, how, what, how would I get to the Brookfield zoo, which has the, you know, was like the epicenter of Moldorama. <laughs> and they, um, it would take me uh, two and a half hours taking two trains and a bus. <gasps> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and someday I will do it. <laughs> but, you know, that's going to be a whole thing. I was going to say, you're not, you're not hardcore enough, Max. Come on, man. Well, not, not, well, not, Chris, not, is, not Chris, is steal, Chris is stealing crap off the side of the road, man. Hey, if I see, if I see an old lady with a moldorama, she's going down. But... <laughs> 
I know Max would do it if he had ever heard that there was a human fly mold ramen. Oh, that, my well, God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, forget it. I'd, I'd, I'd be in my hospital bed going, worth it. <laughs> but, yeah, no, and, you know, as far as, you know, which ones do I want, I, want, I, the, I am not normally a completist. You know, I, I whatever I can get, when I can get it is fine. I don't obsess about it. But these I want to get, all of them, if I can. Just because that would be, it, it sounds weird to say that it would be an accomplishment because it's not like I'm curing cancer or anything. But the, <laughs> but it, it would the effort that it would take, and um, I guess kind of the memories that would go with it from having to go get these things uh, would would uh, make me really happy. So yeah, I would I would like to get all of these Moldoramas. I don't need to do the whole color thing. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but I would like to get at least one uh, copy of each figure, you know. And as far as storing them, uh, they just sit on my shelf. They don't, and you know, which is which is kind of a risk because I have a cat who loves to jump on everything. <laughs> um, and like I said, these are these are kind of they're not super delicate, but if you dropped it, they would at least dent and possibly crack. Mm. Um, and they are. I mean, if I wanted to, I could probably squeeze it in my hand and break it mm. they're they're not especially durable um but i've never i've never really been that precious about my things like that and um some of them i could replace and, uh most of these i could replace it would take some effort but um two trains and a bus two trains and a bus <laughs> but if you know but if i could i would like to have some sort of display for them where they're safely away from any cats and you know <laughs> random elbows and and that sort of thing um you know and i know there's a lot of collectors out there but i'm not i'm not really interested in trading or you know that that side of things just because like I said, I mean, I'm going to get one. And why am I going to trade away the one that I have? <laughs> right, you know? right. Uh, and then plus, like I said, I'm just not that not that hardcore. Um, I do worry about the condition. Uh, but as I think as long as I keep them away from heat lamps and, you know, don't step on them, they, they should be fine. They, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's plastic. I mean, it's, they're, they're plastic figures. And they, you know, as long as I uh, don't abuse them, they should last a while. Keep them out of Reese's hands. <laughs> oh man my the that panther that i had you know that i mentioned before oh god i did not take care of that thing and you know, it had scratches it had uh there was a, a a gouge a hole gouged into it and it was just it was it was sad and uh they're, they're like i said they're they're very easy to to damage and i'm trying to avoid that but you know you do what you can I'm sensing a theme of plastic collections with Max and Chris and Ryan here. So, uh, Chris, why don't you tell us about you? You know, he's talking about, uh, you know, me uh, stealing blowholes from the side of the road. I passed, we're going out to Danny's uh, uh, friend of hers house and uh, trying to give her some, you know, social interaction. She lives way out on the opposite side of the, side of the county. And in this yard, this past weekend, there was this, blow mold santa sleigh reindeer team and i don't have one of those and they are kind of the holy grail for a lot of blow mold people <laughs> uh and i come this close 
to just drop, just pulling up in their driveway and saying, I'll give you a hundred bucks right now for that. Wow. <laughs> and, but I stopped myself. I was like, I, I could get shot. So maybe I shouldn't. Do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I didn't do that, but, uh, isn't that the one, isn't that the one Clark Griswold kicked the crap out of in his front it, yard? Yeah. And that makes me almost cry every time. Pretty, pretty, <laughs> yeah, pretty much that exact same. There's different versions, but yeah, that exact same one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I did a little looking on my, my pictures, as, as you say, and I think I've got about, counting the outside and inside, I've got about 30 Christmas ones. Mm. Uh, and that's, you know, big ones, small ones that go, you know, that are, I mean, you could put the small ones outside, but typically they're, they're tabletop ones, the small ones. Um, and I've got about 14 Halloween ones. Um, so, uh, I don't really have a list and, um, it, I, I just kind of have a mental want list because like I, there's like things I want, like, uh, I want another Dracula, obviously. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like there's a, I don't have a, a Mrs. Claus, you know, uh, and there's some nice ones out there. Um, there's a sleigh team, there's a Santa on a train. I, I'm kind of done with like standard Santa Clauses because of like, okay, I've got, I've got too many Santa Clauses at this point. Um, you know, and, uh, I managed to pick up some different things this year, like, um, a Grinch that's new and like an older, um, uh, lamppost. Um, so, so that was cool. Um, I actually have a building, uh, in my backyard. I live out in the country, so I've got a big metal building, uh, that I store them in. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a process to, uh, walk down into my yard. And, you know, I usually take the kids old wagon and, I put like two or three of them in the wagon and drag them up into the, <laughs> the yard. <laughs> and this, this takes me like, you know, all day basically to do this, to put them up and take them down and, and, and things like that. So it's, it's, you know, I've got to, I've got to like, you know, set a day aside to decorate the house, you know, basically. <laughs> uh, not so much on Halloween, but definitely at Christmas. Um, and I, I don't really sell, I haven't really sold any. I, I've got, I've got one extra ghost that I, you know, I'd be willing to trade or sell somebody. I, I've just been kind of holding it back because I actually found these um, two ghosts, like from the early '90s, still in a shrink wrap at a Goodwill, um, little small ones. And uh, I almost fell over myself, you know, getting to the cash register to pay 99 cents a piece for them, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and as far as the condition, I, I don't. I mean. It's according to the price. You know, if it's free, I'm not going to worry about it. Obviously, if it's cheap, um, you know, if the paint's kind of worn, like uh, uh, I know Rob, before we started recording, he, he brought up the, like a nativity uh, set, which I've actually got yep. some. But the, the actual holy family I got of, of, of Joseph, Mary and Jesus, I actually um, when I bought that, it was with the set with this old, old Santa Claus that had like the base of him was just in just shattered. Uh, but I'm like, eh, you know what? It's 50 bucks for the lot of them. And this is a really old Santa and I can make it work. So I basically, you know, got some white electric tape and I took one of the kids Frisbees they weren't using and put the Santa on top of it and white electric tape the <laughs> bottom. So it looks like he's standing on snow, you know? So, uh, so they, you know, did a little MacGyvering, uh, and he's, he's good to go. So I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't worry about the condition too much now. I have a Frankenstein that was one of the first ones I bought um, when I still lived at my uh, rented from my grandmother, and um, he's gotten really faded uh, because that's been like 
you know, 20 years, over 20 years since I've had, I've displayed him outside. And, uh, you know, his once purple jacket is very light pink. Uh, and though, even though I like pink very much, Lois, uh, I, you know, <laughs> kind of want to have a purple jacket again. So, uh, there's paints you can use, um, like Krylon plastic paint of a certain kind, spray paint. Um, I'm going to attempt to do that this, uh, this fall before Halloween hits. So, uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to do it early cause then I got to get in the house of Frankenstein. Right. So, uh, <laughs> so maybe late August or something, I'll go out there and see if I can fix up Frankie. Uh, but other than that, you know, I, I don't worry a whole lot about condition. Cause I mean, like, um, like some of these Halloween ones, which I actually keep out in the collectibles room. Now the small ones, um, I picked up one that's, um, it's kind of faded, but if you get like an orange bulb and put in it, then you can't tell it's faded when it's lit. So, uh, and I paid 15 bucks for it. So, you know, if, you know, if I, if somebody wanted 50 bucks for that, I wouldn't have bought it. But, uh, you know, if it's the conditions, you know, a little, eh, but it's cheap enough, I'll buy it anyway. Cause I just can't stand myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the blow modes. I was curious about something like, as far as you've seen, do they, cause you've mentioned various, characters that are in this form do they did do like bull modes only kind of come of like characters that you don't have to pay licensing fees for like is there like a superman blow mold or batman or is it just like santa jesus frankenstein which by the way would be a great three team santa jesus and frankenstein but like you know what i mean it's like is it just characters that anybody can do something with I'm glad you well, mentioned there, that because I, I, before Chris goes, I was just thinking, you know, if Chris could find like a Lego Barbie blow mold, that would like be the holy grail of his house. But <laughs> yeah, it would. It would. Um, I do have a Batman. It's not quite a blow mold. It's it's um, it's a light. It's a hanging light fixture thing that came out. I think it came out in '92 when Batman Returns came out. But it, it's the comic book Batman, um, and it's it's not quite a blow mold because it's flat on the back. But it's basically you hanging up on the wall, and it's got the you know it's got the nightlight type bulb in it, um, and that's about as close as you get. But uh, there is at least one licensed blow mold. There, a company sometime like late '90s, early 2000s, actually put out a Bela Lugosi Dracula blow mold. Oh wow! Yeah, and it's through you know Lugosi Junior through the estate. Uh, and if you know anything about Universal Monster Licensing, then you know Bela Jr. is a – he's a lawyer, uh, and he knows the worth of his father's estate and his likeness, and he fights tooth and nail to – and good for him. But that's one reason why Dracula doesn't – as portrayed by Lugosi, doesn't show up in a lot of Universal stuff or he looks generic, you know. Hmm. Uh, but this is officially licensed from the estate, and I'd love to have one, uh, but it, it came out a little before my time when I was paying attention to him and – they go for a pretty penny. The only thing is he's got kind of a, uh, his legs look a little short. The proportions aren't a hundred percent right. And he looks a little bit like Pee Wee Herman dressed as a waiter more than Dracula to me. <laughs> but... <laughs> I love that when they finally did a Batman blow mold, they did it for the least kid friendly movie in the entire run of movies. <laughs> <laughs> I want the Christopher Walken blow mold. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Hey, so, Chris, what what makes a blow mold a blow mold? You, you've mentioned a couple of times that there there are things that are sort of like a blow mold but aren't. So, what's what's the difference? Well, I guess technically a blow mold is not just uh, what I collect specifically are lighted blow molds. But sometimes, you know, there's there's a lot of banks like plastic bank, banks that are considered blow mold. It's the process 
the way they're made, it's like, you know, there, there's like literally a hole in it somewhere and the, the, the whole thing's hollow, but it's like, uh, it's like the plastic's literally like blown into the mold. Um, mm. so that's, that's why they're called that. And like, like I've got a Spider-Man bank and they made a Hulk bank and, um, uh, a very limited run of a thing, Ben Grimm bank in the seventies. Uh, this company called AJ Renzi, who made a lot of, um, uh, Halloween pails. Halloween pails are, are technically blow molds, you know, like your, your classic oh, okay. uh, pumpkin pail. Uh, that's oh, wow. technically a blow mold. Uh, and a lot of people will take the old ones and put a light in it, you know, and, and light it up. And, and, uh, there's famously a Frankenstein, uh, that was made as both a, uh, a bucket, uh, and a light. It, it's, it's more like a lamp. Like they literally <laughs> made it with like on a little pedestal. And, uh, if you have the bucket or if you have the lamp and they use that same mold, that looks like Glenn Strange's Frankenstein, um, monster, they made a speaker out of that too. Like back in the sixties, oh, wow. this was all during the monster craze of the sixties. Those things go for insane amounts of money. I mean, like thousands of dollars and there's no way in hell I'll ever own one. Uh, although some guy on the universal monster army board, like literally found one for like 10 bucks last year or something. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> you you got to play monster mash through that speaker. I mean, you have, there's gotta be a law. Right? Yeah, I think you do. Yeah, you, you do. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, so that's more, so like there's other, there's other different, like there's some like cheap toys that, that are considered blow molds. And, but if it's got like a light kit in it, that's more, that's kind of what I'm collecting or it's got a place for one. Cause a lot of times they're missing, but you can, you can go to Lowe's and buy most of them or, or get online and buy a replacement kit. So if the kit's missing, I, it's no sweat. You know, I can, I can fix it. So. Hmm. Wow. I don't think I can follow that up. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I can start by answering your question, Rob. When does something you like become a collection? And I would say it's around this point where uh, the total number of Doctor Who novels I own, I, I keep a spreadsheet. And if the current count is right, I'm not entirely sure, I have 427 Doctor Who oh. books. Um, the universe of books is probably about 600 of these things. And it, it's a little hard to track because there's several different ranges and publishers. And this is not going to be like a comprehensive uh, description here. So for you hardcore Whovians, don't write in and explain why I forgot the telos novellas. And I, I got it. It's okay. So I mentioned earlier there were novelizations of the TV episodes, and that's what we had growing up. Well, the TV show goes off the air in 1989. We had nothing. So around 1993, they begin publishing completely original stories. This is sort of like your uh, Star Wars Expanded Universe sort of stuff. These are more mature books. They're, they're not aimed at little kids but older readers, and these, they grow in size. They're about 280 pages, and they're published monthly. So, and even within these, there's different publishers and different niches and stuff. The big main idea to keep in mind is there were stories featuring the current doctor at whatever year these would be published. Whoever was the current doctor at the time, he, they had their adventures. And then they would publish uh, adventures about the previous doctors, and like, or, you know, like as if there were adventures that happened back then that weren't televised kind of thing. I kind of, for me personally, I count like nine major niches in the publication history, and I'm not going to go into all the specifics of it again, but I, 427 is the number. Uh, what probably springs to mind is how many have I read? Well, uh, I have not read them all, certainly. I probably, uh, best guess, I did some time going through the list, probably about 175 of them I've read, so that's about 40%. That's a lot of books based on the same character. 
Wow. And uh, do I maintain a, a list or a want list? I do. And as a little kid, uh, I was a member of the Doctor Who fan club of America. Oh, I miss fan clubs. And uh, we, we would get this giant newsletter like every quarter or so. And in the, inside there was this big insert and it advertised all the books and it had like a little spot. You could check them off. And so I used that as my list. I'd like check off all the ones I had, circle the ones I wanted. I was so excited about it. Nowadays, it's just on Google Drive. So whenever I'm out and about, I can just open it up and look at it because I can't remember 427 books. Um, how do I store them? In a bookcase. Um, it's, I sent the guys a picture of it tonight, so they've all seen it. Uh, what you're really seeing there is probably a little less than half of the collection because what happens is each shelf is stacked two books high, and they're stacked two rows deep. So behind all the ones you saw, there's a whole another row of those back there. Um, I don't trade them or sell them. I've never traded or sold any of them. Even as a little kid, I, I didn't trade them. I just wanted to hang on to them. And as far as condition goes, I mean, I worry about condition a little bit. Um, I don't want them damaged. I don't want to like drop them in the bathtub or I don't want to crack spine when I'm reading it, but I'm, but I'm not obsessive about it. Now there are a few of these that I suppose could probably be worth some significant money. I mean, I've seen some of them go for a hundred bucks, things like that. Uh, if they're in pristine condition, but I just don't care in that, in that regard. In fact, I've actually ruined the condition of several of the most valuable ones because I've gotten the author to autograph them and to personalize them to me, to Shag. So whoever inherits my collection when I'm dead, I'm sorry, they're all going to say to Shag. Um, and, like, <laughs> and when I go to big Doctor Who uh, conventions like in LA and stuff, I bring in my suitcase, I pack a whole bunch of Doctor Who books to get signed. Those damn things take up a whole lot of room in my suitcase. I usually have to pack like another suitcase just so I can bring all my crap. <laughs> <laughs> Shag is, I mean, where, where you've, where... I know a lot of Doctor Who episodes were lost. Yep. BBC infamously wiped the tapes. Yep. Um, so on those early novels that you had, are they are there novels of episodes that don't exist? Yes. Yes, there are. Uh, some of it was done based on scripts. Some of it was uh, just assembled from, you know, people took, back back when we were kids, uh, I don't know if you guys ever did this. This is how dorky I was. Before we had a VCR, sometimes I would have my sister's tape recorder. Uh, when I was watching a show I really liked, and I would record the audio so I could listen to it later at night, like almost like a VCR, but just the audio. Well, apparently a lot of obsessive Doctor Who nerds in the 60s did this. So a lot of the missing – or actually I think it's fair to say every missing episode, uh, they have the audio for at least uh, and various qualities. So they could at least get the words that were used and things like that. So they were able to, to write these books. And I, w- I, I went through a period where those were very interesting to me because I knew I'd never see them, so I was actively seeking out those books. That's a good question. Oh, cool. I, I think I heard today that they, like, I, I'm sure it's been a while since this actually came out, but on some podcasts I was listening to that there's like another Patrick Troughton one that they found recently or something? Is it? They found some in the last couple of years, and then they're animating. Some, some of them that they've given up on, they're actually animating. So they've hired an animation group, and uh, and they're actually really quite good. So Yeah, yeah I've, see, I've seen parts of those, and it's, uh, yeah, that's that's great that they can... They can at least, you know, at least do something with it. But I was just curious if they, that's cool that they made the novel. So at least you, at least you had those adventures in, in some fashion. That's cool. Exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for the questions. Those are good. Uh, Rob, have, 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 oh, more questions. Question. Okay. I'm sorry. And actually, this is, this is for you, Shag, also, but kind of for the group also. I think uh, of, of us here, I think uh, only Rob and I live in an apartment. Is that right? Everyone else has a house. No, I'm in an apartment. Um, you're in an apartment? Yeah. So, you know, I, I've moved a lot <laughs> in, my, <laughs> in my life, and I have a lot of books and a lot of graphic, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and, um, I mean, I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't do a literary podcast for nothing. But <laughs> those, 
are such a pain in the ass to move. Books? Yeah. yeah. I mean, does, does that... Does that limit you guys in, in your collecting? I mean, do you ever look at the stuff you have and you go, oh, no way. 49 long boxes of comics. Oh, yeah. Geez. Yeah, it limits me. <laughs> wow. There's a reason I haven't moved in 20 years, Max. <laughs> <laughs> Chris will just have to burn that toy room down rather than pack it up. <laughs> I mean, Cindy and I have really thought about it. I mean, you know, a few years back, I mean, now it's kind of, you know, I mean, where Andrew's older and stuff, you know, I, does it make any even sense to move up? We, we live pretty far out, you know? Uh, but, um, that's the only thing it's, but yeah, I, I, you know, literally our collections are like, God, I don't want to pack all that shit up. So it's, it's literally, it's one of those cases where our collections do actually own us where that's concerned. We don't ever have to, want to have to move on and we'll never get anybody to help us. That's for damn sure. So, cause they groaned and moaned about it back then. And that was 20 years ago, you know? So. Well, the kids are out of the house. That's two more bedrooms, man. To store, to store, display stuff. That's right, man. As soon as my sister got married and moved out, my dad and I, I mean, literally the next day, that was 198, that was 1989. Guess what happened guys? Oh no! Um, that became the back cave, or at least part of it, because my dad's like, "Okay, I'm taking part of this and putting my guitars in here and my stereo and everything else. Like, you're just going to have to. You can have this side. I can have this side. I'm like, okay. So we basically split my sister's room. We didn't even. I mean, literally, there. You know, her bed was still warm. Probably we like threw it out and like. <laughs> she had to feel great about that. You know, it's like you got married, you're gone. You know. <laughs> All right. Uh, if there's no more questions, we'll go to you, Rob. Uh, yeah, well, since I have a couple different things that I collect and I want to kind of get in them all in, in this episode, I'm going to move off of Aquaman and move on to something else that I collect but answer these questions that we're doing in round two. So another thing I collect are Marvel Slurpee Cups. Marvel <laughs> Slurpee Cups. Now, I, and, and there's a very specific reason why I say Marvel and not just like all like character comic book Slurpee Cups or DC and Marvel. And Chris will back me up on this uh, because – uh, of the two companies, DC and Marvel, they did the Slurpee Cups at the same time. You could never have had a better example of how one company knew how to market their products versus another. <laughs> because the Marvel Slurpee Cups feature stock art poses drawn by, you'd say, probably four or five of, of, of like their top tier artists. You know, it's like John Romita and Jack Kirby and, you know, like they're big names. Mm-hmm. And um, they were in. They were all the characters were in these exciting poses. And if they were a pose that was taken from the comic book, and like maybe a foot was missing, they would get, I believe, Patty Cockrum, Dave's wife, to draw like the extra part that they needed. Oh wow! It mm-hmm. came with the logo, like the official character logo. So they made it look exciting. Meanwhile, DC did Martha Kent. <laughs> as a and it was like a drawing from a panel where she's like pointing at something, but you don't see what she's pointing at. And like, it would just see the name of the character in like Helvetica at the bottom. I mean, it was like, <laughs> it's unreal. And like, Hey, that was 40 years prescient. Cause do you know how important Martha Kent is to fandom? <laughs> don't say that name. Uh, I mean, you know, like the Robin Slurpee cup features a drawing of Robin pulling his own mask off and looking surprised. You're like, are you telling me you can find a pose of Robin to put on your Slurpee cup? Like, DC clearly put no effort into it. Meanwhile, Marvel was like, we want to do these right. So I started buying these. I bought one uh, about a year ago, partly because they're small and they're light and they're cheap. You can get 
a lot of Marvel Serpy Cups for like less than $10. And that's kind of my price point. Uh, if I can find one in good, you know, non-cracked open condition for under $10, that's, then, then I'll get it. So I bought, and I've been buying them here and there uh, for the last year. And uh, one of the things is, do you, do you maintain a want list? You know, it's sort of funny. Like to me, when you, that's the Rubicon that you cross, where it's like, oh, I buy this thing at Kids because I like it. But once you establish a want list, you're getting serious. <laughs> it's like now it's become a thing. And I caught myself a couple of months ago Googling the Marvel Slurpee checklist, which Ooh. does exist, which oh, they wow. issued to 7-Eleven. And it features little box art shot of every Marvel character that got a Slurpee cup. And I downloaded it and I, oh. have, it on my, I have it on my desktop. And so now I know. It's serious. <laughs> getting serious. So, all right, there you go. Now, how do, I, how do I store them? For the longest time, I just had them on a shelf in front of all of my digests, something else that I collect. Uh, but then Sean Myers kept giving me grief that the digests were covered up. So, all right, okay. <laughs> of course so, he did. <laughs> yeah, of course he did. So, um, so I, I went to the container store. I don't, do you guys have container stores where you are? Is that like a, is that a national chain? I wish. <laughs> you, you, but you know what those are, right? That, what right. That, uh, yeah. Okay. So, Only you New Jersey people need to store that much crap. Right. So we go to the container store. Kelly loves the container store. Like she just like, like her putting things into other things is just like, that's the most exciting. thing. like, Oh, I can put it in or whatever. <laughs> so, um, uh, I actually got her a gift card for the container store for Christmas, by the way, like that's how big she's into it. <laughs> but anyway, they have these display boxes that are just clear plastic and they fit three Marvel Slurpee cups. Exactly. Like perfectly. So there's no wiggle room. They can't fall over. And so I only own six of the Marvel Serpy Cups, but I have two plastic cases. And now they're sitting on top of each other on top of one of my bookshelves. And the other thing is, and this is, again, this is where I'm crossing the Rubicon into madness, is that Marvel, when they did the <laughs> Slurpy Cups, they did two sizes. They did the regular, and then they did the, the slightly taller ones, which are like an inch taller. There's no difference in the art. But when people buy them, when people sell them on eBay, they don't always tell you which one you're getting. And I didn't know that until I got my beloved Call the Conqueror Slurpee Cup. Again, that's a thing that exists, Call the Conqueror. <laughs> but it's an inch taller than the rest of them. And I'm like, huh, oh, all right. I guess that's okay. And But the fact that it's not the same size as the other ones – bothers me to know that. Like, no it's got to be the same size as the rich so that is just driving me driving me nuts you've got it bad rob you are a bad. collector yeah, i got it yeah. bad. seller trade i don't i don't bother with that and uh and by the way i don't use them because obviously they're cups from the 1970s i would never drink out of them i want to get some <laughs> horrible 70s disease or anything like legionnaire's disease or something i i just want to tell a quick story <laughs> rob bought me a sad sack uh glass glass uh collectors what harvey you know sort of pepsi glass years ago and i immediately washed it really good and used it it took pictures of myself and i'm like oh rob this is great thank you so much and that's ex those are almost word for word what you said to me like yeah. you're gonna get legionnaire's disease yeah, drinking out of that thing it's crazy you're, that's insane that you would do that that's just nuts <laughs> uh, uh i i guess uh, yeah i should confess that when yeah I've, i collect the the, the you drink DC. out of your blow molds too? Yeah, I drink out of too. <laughs> Cut the head off of Santa Claus and just drink out of it. But uh, <laughs> no, no um, I collect the DC Pepsi glasses, uh, okay. which are a lot better than the Slurpee cups. Yes, like, yes. yeah, those uh, are true. The, yeah, the artwork's really nice. And uh, we had a few extras. And when Andrew was little, 
you know, we let, you know, occasionally he'd drink out of a Robin glass. And then we saw this thing where it's like, oh, these old glasses from the 70s may have lead content. And I'm like, okay, I guess we won't be drinking out of that anymore. <laughs> oh, crap. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe yeah. I shouldn't be drinking on a sad sack. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I remember when uh, McDonald's used to put out glasses mm-hmm. and there was a recall for the same reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Thanks. Like that would explain this arm growing out of my back here. <laughs> so thinking, every time my daughter's tutor, well, before the pandemic, would come over, she always wanted to drink out of that glass. I'm like, uh oh. Um, hope I didn't poison someone. Anyway, <laughs> right, while 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 Shag is googling his liability insurance claim, Rob, which are the which six do you have? Which characters? Uh, I, again, the, by the characters that I'm about to mention. You'll see why I'm partly charmed by this collection because obviously the heavy hitters are part of the sort of, you know, Spider Man Hulk, but these are the ones I have Nighthawk, nice. <laughs> Triton, Triton the Inhumans. The I, knew, I knew you had Triton. <laughs> First one I bought, I had to buy an Inhuman because I love the Inhumans. Uh, Hercules. I love how Rob keeps having to turn around, you can tell, to look yeah. at him. It's uh, only I'm, six. You can't remember six. I'm, I'm doing it for dramatic purposes. <laughs> o- Odin. Wow, <laughs> Clea! Wow, uh, wow! And then the sixth of the of the same size one is the, the Thundra Cup. <laughs> oh my gosh! These are all those are some deep, deep cuts in there. And that's wow. what I like about it is that Marvel really Marvel treated all their characters the same. Like Spider Man, like Spider Man got one cup, Thundra got one cup. Meanwhile, DC did like four Supermans and four Batmans. Like they were like, no, 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 no. That's the thing. But I loved it. Marvel. I own a Triton of the Inhumans. <laughs> but all right, Rob. Triton, Triton, Thundra, Clea, mm-hmm. Hercules, Odin, and Nighthawk. Michelle Fever has to get to get has to get to on it, making a comic of those characters. <laughs> <laughs> Would buy. Rob, is there a, is there a human fly cup? There is no human fly cup. Uh, only because, and I'm saying that only. Well, no, no, no. Hold on. I'm all, the only reason is because this was before human fly. Uh, okay, I guarantee. Okay. I guarantee that if Mar and, and I'm not blowing smoke. I guarantee that if Marvel had done these in like the late '70s when they were on that merchandising spree and they were just like buying up every license they could get their hands on. They would have done it because <laughs> because we all remember in the seventies they had Human Fly, they had Shogun Warriors, they had Godzilla, mm-hmm. they had Tarzan, mm-hmm. Star Wars. Because there is a Doc Savage Marvel Slurpee Cup because they oh, had wow. the license for Doc Savage in nineteen seventy five. So it's only because it was predates Human Fly that there isn't one. Because if there, Max, if there had been a Human Fly Slurpee Cup, I would have bought one for myself and bought one for you. <laughs> oh, my God. I can just picture it. How great would that be? You know, Rob, you brought up the, the, the Robin one. Oddly enough, that image of Robin pulling his mask off, they made a poster of that in the 60s. Yep. And I think there's even a dialogue balloon that says, Batman, it's me, your ward, Dick Grayson, or something. And, it and, makes no sense. And there's a there's a there's a uh, ceramic figurine of that that I yep. own. Yep. What? It's, it's, yep. I, I don't understand yep. why they. It, you know, in some of the artwork they use, like they use like a Sheldon Maldoff image of yep. Bruce Wayne. Yep. It's, it's in like, that Chip Kid book, Batman Collected. Yeah. It's 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 like why in the world would you like you know I mean no no offense to the Sheldon Maldoff but why would you use the Sheldon Maldoff you know ghosting Bob Kane on anything in you know in the 70s when you could i don't know use neil adams i mean they did use neil adams but 
use all the Neil Adams. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. yeah. the, the only one I remember ever seeing in the wild was one of Brainiac. Uh, not Brainiac 5, but Brainiac. And he had that stupid monkey on his shoulder. <laughs> and it was just like, it, it's like a, no offense, Chris. It's like a Kurt Swan kind of drawing. So it's, yeah. it's very... Just stay, it's even. I, I just googled. He's actually profile. He's not even like I, looking I think at the it literally camera. Is a Kurt Swan drawing though. I think yeah. it's oh my literally gosh. from a Kurt Swan uh, comic. Yeah. Now these cups sound amazing, but I have to say, as far as what goes in the cup, Slush Puppy is superior. Oh, too Slurpee. All I'm right. Sorry. No, all right. No. All right. All right. So going on, <laughs> uh, we're going on to our next round here. So the uh, this is a little shorter round. So are you a completist? I think a lot of us have answered this already, but you know, if you haven't, fill it in. So are you a completist? Do you need to own each? And do you have any niches within your collection that you're especially proud of? Now, Max, you're going to kick us off. Uh, yeah, like I said, I am not normally a completist. Um, you know, like I said, I have other collections that I kind of add to when I when I see something that fits, but for the Moldoramas, I'm definitely a completist. I, I want to get as many of them as possible. <laughs> and I, and my ultimate goal is to get all of them. Uh, you know, again, just because it's so weird, <laughs> you know, and I like the idea of, of having that. I mean, like, you, like we're talking about these DC and Marvel cups, Slurpee cups and all that. And the DC cups sound so bad that now I kind of want them. <laughs> um, but the, the Moldoramas are not like, I mean, they're, they're all, they're all very awesome. And I, I love them. Uh, but I would, yeah, I would like to have them all. I would love to have just like this big display of Moldoramas. Um, and, you know, and yeah, someday I'd like to, to have them all. We'll, we'll see. I mean, they're, they're three bucks each. I, I can, I can swing that. The, um, I, I will pay for whatever streaming service is showing your documentary series road trip show. Max, is there a way that you can know what was been made? Like, is there a list somewhere so you know whether you Checklist. have Checklist? You know, they. Yeah. I was looking at their website, and they they only tell you how many machines they have, how many are, are currently out. Um, but they don't really tell you what is – you know, I don't – I actually don't know. <laughs> the only thing I, the only way I can tell is I, I, I follow them on Facebook and I, you know, so they, they update and they have a store where you can buy the, the individual Moldoramas. And so that's where I have seen them. But as I'm sure there's probably a checklist out there somewhere because, you know, there's always, you know, you know, it's it's the it's the law of nerds. There's always someone out there who's, who's nerdier than you are. You know, someone out there has put a list together. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I should probably look for that because yeah, there, there's there's just a ton of stuff out there. You know, a ton yeah. a ton of these molds. Max, can I tell you? You just mentioned Facebook, and it made me think: Is Moldorama on Twitter? And uh, it doesn't appear they are, but someone has created a Twitter feed called Moldorama Rex where they go around Chicago <laughs> taking pictures of the Moldorama dinosaur figure in different places in Chicago. Oh. <laughs> See, until, you, until you mentioned Chicago, I was pretty sure that was going to be Rob started a new Twitter account while we were on the podcast. But. <laughs> That's your best friend, Max. I, I am going to, yeah, I'm going to follow that guy for sure. Yep, yep, yep. And I see that Moldorama under the weird space bean at Millennial Park. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah. I mean, no, it's they're 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 fun, you know. And and it's kind of like from what Chris was saying about uh, about the blow molds. You know, there are people who are hardcore into this, and uh, you know, and it's it's also nice to kind of have something that's that's so uh, Chicago. I mean, mm. because they're they're kind of 
in different places around the country, but like weird places. And um, but it, it's it's a Chicago company originally, and they're still Chicago based, and most of them are here in the area. And you know, I, I like that also. You know, I, I like that I moved here and there was something so unique like that that is so much a part of the city. Hmm. That's really cool. cool. That's yeah. awesome. And um, as far as, you know, like, what is the star of my collection? Ooh, that's a hard one. If I had children, that would be, that would be, <laughs> uh, you know, I would have to say probably at least the weirdest one is the John Deere tractor. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, and I got, I got that one at the uh, Museum of Science and Industry, which is kind of a weird place because i mean it's not weird it's actually a really a very cool museum but they have like just a grab bag of everything there is one hall like an entire hall that is nothing but um model trains and one huge model train set in the middle of the of the room and um you know they do have a a german submarine uh, you know complete in in another part of the of the museum they have um, a working incubator, so you can stand there and watch chicks being born, mm. uh, which is why they have a chick Moldorama. Um, but they also have tractors. They have a, like a like an agricultural section, and you can climb up in these in this John Deere, and you can pretend you're driving a tractor, and it has little videos. And you know, <laughs> it's ridiculous how much time I spend in that stupid tractor. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, and, and you know, and John Deere is just one of those things. Do you say John Deere? Everyone knows what a John Deere is. And uh, it's John Deere green, and it's it, you know it's it's just you know in in a weird kind of collection, it's probably the weirdest thing I've gotten so far. <laughs> I was going to say that almost has to come in just green, right? I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if it comes in red, it's a Massey Ferguson or something, right? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, and it is John Deere green. I, the, the gorilla comes in a my gorilla came in a darker green, like uh, I don't know, but. Um, but it's this, Beast is, this is yeah, yeah, you know, and it's but this is this is John Deere green. There's there's no mistaking it. That's perfect. All right, Chris, what about you? Are you a completist? I, I can't be a completist when it comes to blow molds. There's just there's too many companies. There's a uh, there's a I think there's a website called I think it's blowmolded.com that's got like a they try to archive like every at least every vintage blow mold. I mean it's you know it, it's it's a lot. The story of blow molds, unfortunately, is a lot of, um, you know, U.S.-based companies that have come and gone, unfortunately, and then the molds have have moved on to other companies like Empire's, a famous one that, you know, they made toys when we were kids. They made the ride-on Batmobile and Batcycle I've talked about before and um, accessories that you could use with your Mego figures like helicopters and vans that for the incredible Hulk, incredibly the Hulk had a van and a helicopter. Uh, but, uh, you know, but they also, they also made blow molds and, um, you know, they're, they're then, you know, that goes on to another company called general foam and, and you know, I, general foam's kind of out of business now. And it's, it's just, uh, it's, uh, it's just, uh, it's hard to, it would be ho- almost impossible to have them all and to, uh, have room for them all because they are such big space eaters. Um, so I'm never going to be a completist, but, um, you know, as far as particular ones that stand out in my collection, of course, I mean, I love all my Christmas ones. And I mean, like my original Santa, or I guess it's my grandfather Santa technically that I have, um, you know, he'll always, you know, be my favorite Christmas one, but just as far as like 
you know, that's not a big surprise to, to people who listen to the network, but you know, the Halloween ones are, there's something about just that orange and black plastic, you know, orange plastic spray painted black that just, if it's lit up, I don't know. It just, it's like, you know, orange, orange is the new black and black is the new orange, I guess, or something. But it's, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's literally like soothing to me for some reason. If things are orange and black, I just love them. Uh, so, I mean, to see them lit up, it's just, I, I, that's one reason why this year I'm like, you know what? I got a new case and I have room on a shelf. I'm not even putting the small Halloween ones up. They can go like right underneath my haunted mansion stuff. Uh, so they, they're out in the collectibles room now. So <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Chris, my high school colors were black and orange. You would have loved it. Oh man, I would have just I would have just kept flunking so I could stay in high school. <laughs> <laughs> like a true Kentuckian. That's right. um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> sorry. So for Doctor Who books, am I completist? Uh, it's it's not possible. I mean, I, I mentioned the universe of books is like something six hundred, and, and they keep coming out. And so, uh, as far as like, I, I also mentioned, there's like lots of different publishing niches in there. So for the original ones that came out, you know, in the seventies and eighties, um, I, I, I used to be a completist for those and I'm so close to a complete set. I, I probably should just finish doing it. Uh, however, the deeper you, and Max sort of referenced this, the, the deeper you go, the deeper it gets though. Uh, because like you can get, uh, or maybe it was Rob who said this. I don't know. Either way, just either there's, there's different gradients within a collection, right? Like you can get the hard covers or you can get the soft covers. You can get the first printing or you can get the subsequent printings that have different covers. So that just, that way leads to madness. So if I were to just try and get at least one copy of each story, I, I guess I could have the, at least the original classic stuff. And I prefer to find them myself. Uh, I, I don't really like to get them on eBay for the classic stuff. I like to find them in the wild and stuff like that. Uh, and you don't find Doctor Who collections in the wild that often, so I usually have to go to conventions for that. And there's really only one subset of or, or niche, niche or whatever that I have a complete set of. It's the uh, Eight Doctor Adventures, which were published by BBC Books from 1996 to 2005. And that, those all featured Paul McGann, who's uh, he was the Doctor in the 1996 TV movie, if you ever saw it. It was on Fox. It was an American TV movie. He's super dreamy. Um, there were 74 of those. I have all of those. So I guess, you know, that's kind of cool. But as far as niches that I'm like within a collection that I'm proud of, it's for like a really silly reason, but growing up, my doctor, because everybody who's a Doctor Who fan has their doctor. Uh, Rob's was Karen Gillian, oddly enough, but anyway, um, my doctor was the fifth doctor, Peter Davison, and he was on TV from 1980 to 1984, and that's what I started watching. So his adventures were the new ones. That was the new stuff, so that was exciting. So I was gobbling up all those books when they were published, but for whatever reason, there was one book that they never novelized in the 1980s before the publisher lost the license. I think it was the author. I can't remember the reasons behind it. But anyway, this one single Peter Davison story never got published. Then finally, just a year and a half ago, July 2019, they actually published the book. They got the guy who wrote the original story. He wrote the novelization. I was absolutely thrilled. I was over the moon to complete my Peter Davison collection. So that made me very, very happy. So the show with Karen Gillan, is there a there was a doctor character in it? Is what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah, there was a guy with the bow tie that she hung out with a lot. He was kind of the main person, but anyway, I don't even okay. All right, I mean, I guess you know your business, so all right. I, <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, well, okay. Now we're we're talking about am I a complete? I'm going to move on to another collection I have, which is, oh, good lord. This is, well, I collect a lot of stuff, uh, and this is uh, something I'm sure I talked to Max about when we did Mirror Factory. Uh, where I collect editions of The Razor's Edge by some uh, Yeah. Um, it is my favorite book of all time. I don't read a lot of fiction. I read mostly nonfiction. This book I've read 
at least 50 times already Whoa. at this point. And um, at a certain point, I, I read it, the inspiration to collect it came from two sources. One, I saw a book uh, about Frankenstein, and there was this thing about that Fari Ackerman, of course, from Famous Monsters of Filmland, collected Frankenstein editions. It was his favorite book. And, of course, you can imagine how many versions of Frankenstein are out there. And there was this picture of, like, his bookshelf, and it was all these different Frankensteins, all these different languages. And I was like, that's kind of cool. And then right around the same time, I I, uh, went over a friend's house, and she collected uh, Lolita. Lolita was her favorite book. And she had like a dozen different editions of Lolita. And I just, I was sort of charmed at that idea. So after I got my first copy of The Razor's Edge and I fell in love with the book, I started buying other editions. And so now I have about, I think, 40 different editions. Whoa. Um, it's, it, you know, it was printed in 1945. It's never been out of print. Uh, it was made into two different movies. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that's sort of always in print. And uh, yeah, I, I, I am a completist in that if there is an edition of the Razor's Edge out, out there that I don't have, I buy it. I just buy it. I just, like even foreign language? Well, yeah, yes. And I was going to say this part of the part of this round is are there niches with your collection? I have one edition of the Razor's Edge entirely in Hebrew. Wow. Uh, I, I can't oh, wow. read it. I can't read it. Uh, you know, I guess. If I learned how to read it, I'd become a man or something, but I don't know how to read it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, the, and the other version I have that is so beloved to me is I have, and Shag will know what I'm about to say because it's connected to something you have, Shag, is I have an armed services edition. Uh, and yeah. for people who don't know what that is, there was a whole, and there, by the way, there's a whole book about these things called the armed services editions. These were books made for GIs during World War II to provide them with literary you know, stuff to read while they were out overseas serving. And these books were printed on super cheap paper, like even worse than comic book paper. That's how bad the paper is because <laughs> they were meant to be utterly disposable. And they're, they are horizontal. They're not vertical because they were meant to fit in the back pocket of a GI's uniform. And they were printed in the millions. And it was like there were works of you know popular fiction and then some like – Nonfiction stuff. And anyway, there is a version of the Razor's Edge uh, in a, a literary edition, wartime services edition. And I have one of those. I found it on eBay, surprisingly, for like an affordable, like 20 bucks. Hmm. I, it's amazing to think. Now, obviously, there was probably, they printed these, as I said, they printed these in the millions. So odds are this was an edition that was sat in a warehouse, probably got printed and never actually went overseas because, you know, the war ended and then they had surplus copies. But I like to think that the edition I had was maybe made its way over to like Anzio or something and like was in the back pocket of some GI and he enjoyed the story of one man's quest for spiritual fulfillment. I just like that's what I tell myself. So um, those those are the niches. And 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 uh, but like I said, I am a collector in that if there is an edition on eBay or on like uh, uh, there, there are some like specific book uh, used book sites. I buy it immediately. I, to me, I can never have enough editions of the Razor Edge. Rob, I have to tell you, after that conversation that we had on uh, on uh, Mirror Factory, you know, you, you really got me thinking about books and and um, you know, it, it just, things that we read over and over again. And I was wondering if like, there was any book like that for me that I would want to do that with. And uh, it turned out that there is. I, um, the Haunting of Hill House is probably one of my mm. favorite books and nice. uh, definitely one of my favorite horror books uh, written by one of my top three authors. 
uh, Shirley Jackson. And because of you, I actually uh, started collecting no, no. editions of Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of, I'm of sorry, only... Sandy. I'm I sorry. Know. <laughs> well, the good thing is, is that it's, it's, uh, you don't really see Shirley Jackson a lot in used books. People, it's a book, it's an author people tend not to give up very often. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and um, so I've only got, I've only got four editions so far. Uh, but yeah, but that's, that's all you. The key huh? statement was so far. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ryan? Um, I am not a completist for the Marvel Legends. As I said, I, I tend to specifically zero in on a certain type of figure or character, which is interesting because the Marvel Legends uh, like brand, that, that line, and also the DC Universe classics, which I used to collect a lot 10 years ago, they rewarded completist behavior among, among their customers because they both employed this build-a-figure gimmick oh, yeah, within their yeah. figures. Oh, where they would, right. They would right, release right. a wave of six figures, and within your within your Batman figure would also be the arm of Gorilla Grodd. And if you got, you know, another figure would have the, the leg and everything. And if you got all six figures from this wave, you could build Gorilla Grodd, and you got a free seventh figure. This is what the DC Universe Classics did. This is what Marvel Legends has done. The thing is, because I'm like, I'm like, no, I just, I don't. I don't want all of the MCU versions of the characters. I like the comic book versions of the characters. I don't want the video games. I'm not buying all of the Venom or like symbiote versions of characters or the Deadpool characters. I have specific wants and needs. What that has resulted in is I have over a hundred build a figure pieces and I have completed zero actual because <laughs> I've never completed one of these waves. I've got absorbing man, but I don't have his arms. God damn it. Can you like mix and match and like give him the arms of claw or something? For some of them, yes. I'm sure I could. Depending on their sizes and the way they're built, I could. Yeah, I could make some Frankenstein figures here. That um, would have been perfect but- for composite Superman. Right or, or com- combo man from the ads in the nineties. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. In terms of in terms of niches, like the, the collections that I have, like with I, I, there there are a few like within the Star Wars realm that I'm proud of. Like I get like a lot of like weird droid characters and stuff like that. Um, they they did actually make figures of some of the characters from the Timothy Zahn Thrawn trilogy of books. So I've got a Grand Admiral Thrawn figure. I've got a Mara Jade. I've got Talon nice. Card, and nice. I really. But I did, I did prob- they ever do a cor- I know it's not uh Zon. Did they ever do corn horn since you were talking about pilots? I wanna say yes, they did, Damn it. but I but I think maybe in his Jedi outfit, maybe I'm thinking of like oh, a okay. custom, I don't remember. Um I'm I'm not sure if they did in, in his X Wing outfit. Um but that that is probably my like favorite niche is like of like seventy something of these Star Wars toys. Maybe like a third of my collection, or maybe not that much, but like twenty of them are rebel pilots in different colored costumes, like from like the Battle of Hoth or the Battle of Endor, or again like some like comics. Um, one of them that I really like is he is identified in his package as Kian Farlander, which was the name of the playable character in the Star Wars X-wing computer game. Whoa! Oh, like, wow. like predating all of like the consoles, like PlayStation and Xbox, like the way back. Like I've got a figure of that guy that you play as in that like that computer game. So that that I think is just kind of that, those those little things am, amuse me. That I've got like my own little fleet. Don't have any 
like actual like X-wing toys or anything like that. Um, <laughs> Just well, a bunch I, of pilots. <laughs> yeah, I do have like I do have like a, a, a the micro machine size, like miniature or Hot Wheels size, uh, quite a few Star Wars vehicles there. But uh, yeah, I, I I could do I could do the whole like Rebel debriefing scene in in the Battle of Endor when they all gather. <laughs> up. I could make that look. Yeah. And yet, there's no figure of Jackson, right? Uh, no, <laughs> no green bunny rabbits, right? Sadly, no. <laughs> All right, and for the final bit here, just a quick couple of questions. Uh, what do you still collect today, and how do you enjoy your collection nowadays? Is it like displayed, or do you use the items, things like that? So, Chris, uh, obviously, you know, by if you look at my Facebook, uh, you know, profile picture, you know, I still collect today. Uh, you know, around the holidays. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I have been, haven't been out a whole lot, you know, because of pandemic and stuff, but one of the few things we have done is gone to some of the, uh, peddlers malls and, you know, the area, you know, early in the day on the weekend before the crowds get bad, just to get out of the house and walk around a little bit. And I've kept my eyes peeled. haven't found anything new, but I'm, I'm on the hunt. Uh, I keep hoping somebody will say, ah, I don't want to store these Christmas ones and they'll just, you know. I'll find some more along the road, but uh, probably not going to happen. Um, although there's a Facebook group, uh, Blow Molds R Us, uh, that uh, there's people all the time talking, you know, oh, look what I found alongside the road. So it's not just me. Um, but uh, that's a sub. That's a subset of collecting. Blow Molds is literally finding them, dumpster diving and finding them alongside the road with the trash. Um, and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, my collection, it's, you know, most of it is down in my uh, – in my building. So when I go get my, you know, riding lawnmower out to, to mow my yard, I, you know, there's the three wise men looking at me and Santa Claus and, uh, Frankenstein. And, uh, it's, it's kind of like a weird, strange journey inside my mind. Uh, if, uh, Batman <laughs> were down there, then, you know, it would, it would be, it would be perfect. Uh, but, uh, you know, so, you know, there's a ghoul looking out from behind a tombstone next to, uh, you know, Balthazar. Uh, so how's that, how's that work? I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, like I said, the small ones, I actually keep up the Halloween ones I've, I've got on display now. So, uh, with some other vintage Halloween stuff. So, uh, but yeah, the, the hunt, the hunt continues as always. <laughs> For me, uh, what do I still collect today? I'm, I'm pretty selective because, uh, quite frankly, the bookshelf's full. But uh, I gave up on buying all the new books years ago because the, the new books that come out just don't tend to hold my attention. But I get special ones. In fact, I actually – I realized as I'm writing this up, I'm like, I actually have one coming to the house on Saturday. I'm like, oh, gosh. I guess I do <laughs> have a problem. Uh, it, it, and it'll, it'll tell you just because it's of interest here. It's, it's part of a story called Time Lord Victorious, which is – it's kind of like Shadows of the Empire, if you guys remember that. It's this big multimedia Doctor Who event. It's got audio dramas and books and comics and toys and all this stuff but without a tv show component so it's it's kind of a big deal so it's stuff like that when it's got to be when it's either something really really big or something super niche that's uh you know sort of retro is really the only times i buy them nowadays or if i'm on the hunt for one of these ones i missed as younger and then how do i enjoy my collection um I have a closet in my office where I work. Uh, I, I work from home. I have for about seven years now. And I have a closet in here. And it's got these nice full-size wooden doors um, that you just oh, – like, like it's like a real-size door. They, they open up wide. And I took out the shelving units for the closet when we moved in. And I actually put two bookcases inside the closet. So uh, on the same shelves there, I've got uh, all these Doctor Who books. I also have some, like, action figures and photos of meeting some of the original actors from the show and stuff. But so the closet doors are wide open. And I can – you know, every day when I'm working and I look at the books and I just – you know 
know, enjoy seeing all that. And then when I get on a Zoom call or something, I just close the door and my, my Doctor Who habits uh, in the closet, quite literally. So, because uh, my work people frown on nerdy uh, habits. So, all right. Uh, Ryan, what about you? Um, yeah, I, I still, I don't really, I don't really collect the Star Wars or the G.I. Joe anymore. Those lines have kind of like phased out of my interest. Um, but I still do collect the, the Marvel Legends. Um, and, and the other ones, like I collect the Transformers for, for my son. Um, uh, he also likes like kind of like the Pixar cars. They, they make like almost matchbox size cars for all of those movies. So I get those for him too. Um, the, actually, <laughs> I, I, if I wasn't collecting the other stuff, like if I had more disposable income or if I just, if I could, you know, put one collection aside and start something else, every year I get kind of a buzz or an impulse to start collecting vinyl records. Mm. Um, and I, I haven't done it for a number of reasons, space, money, just like needing to prioritize other things is one of them. The other thing is for as much as I've always heard that, you know, vinyls just sounds better. There's more of an kind of an authentic, a genuine a kind of hearty sound to that. I, I don't know if I could appreciate it as much because I actually think I, I might have some partial damage to one of my ears. Like I don't, I don't think my hearing is that great that I would be able to really discern the difference unless I had a super, super high end, uh, speaker system. Um, and that would be I, I, I can attest. I, I can attest that listening to Rob's podcast does cause hearing damage. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's, I mean, there's just, yeah. Like, I, I would like that would be something that I if because I would I would have fun hunting down some of my favorite albums and some of my favorite records and getting those on vinyl, um, and and having the experience of playing them that way. Uh, it would just be something interesting but it's it's not something i do collect it's just something that i think about and maybe someday but who knows all right max what about you buddy uh yeah the you know it's you know obviously i'm, I'm still gonna I'm, I've, I've just started my molarama collection and um but like i said there there are things that i collect kind of in a very haphazard way but and probably only interest me i don't there, <laughs> there's um like i said I, I collect uh coin tokens and uh that actually started with a um a slot machine token that my dad gave me when i was uh younger and i have no idea where it, where it's from it's a little bit bigger than a than a uh like a 50 cent piece i guess and it has a picture of a slot machine on well, an engraving of a slot machine on one side and a map of the Florida Peninsula and Cuba on the other. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I suspect it might be from, you know, maybe the, you know, before Cuba was, was locked down and, you know, when there was still a, you know, a casino kind of uh, environment there, but I don't, I have no idea. I've never been able to track it down. Um, but that and, and the vintage dice, um, is something that whenever I'm in a, um, a thrift store or anywhere like that, that is something I don't necessarily go up and ask for, but I look for. And if I see something that, uh, that is interesting to me or that I don't think I could find again, then yeah, I, I add it to the collection. Um, when you, when you say vintage dice, like what comes to my mind is, you know, the old stories are, they used to make dice out of bones. Are we, mm -hmm. are we talking bones? I have never found anything like that, and okay. I'm not – you know, that's one of those things that I'm kind of iffy about because, you know, the, they used to make it before Bacalite and Celluloid and all that sort of thing. They 
made dice out of ivory, you know, and, and mm. bone. Um, which, yeah, I don't feel good about. <laughs> right. But to, right. to be honest, that would probably be out of my price range anyway. Uh, so it becomes kind of a non-issue. Um, what I really look for is, you know, the, the back of light stuff from like the sixties, uh, and, uh, and the celluloid, which is really interesting because that like, it's, it's basically based on the same, uh, celluloid that was used for film, you hmm. know, for, for a movie film, mm-hmm. uh, and just like movie film, it has a tendency to just kind of on one day. Yeah, so, uh, so it could be fine for decades and decades, and then one day it just starts to fall apart. Oh, which which I think is actually like kind of beautiful, really. <laughs> you know, it, um, you know, and it's uh, and it's kind of transitory, and it's um, it's something that kind of speaks to me in in these in this thing that is you know nearly disposable. You know, when when they. Because you can't buy a game without, you know, coming with a couple of dice. Everyone has dice in their home mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, but, you know, the the vintage dice, I think, are more interesting. And as, as they get older, they kind of get this patina. And, um, yeah, I, I just, it um, the sense of history about it, I think, is what interests me. And plus, you know, I, I don't know if I've told this story before, but my, uh, <laughs> my mom got in trouble one day because she took me and my sister to uh, work with her. And she was a doctor's assistant at the time. And she told us to go play in the hallway, you know, because we were making too much noise in the waiting room. And someone came in and told her, hey, there's a couple of kids out there playing craps. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I was probably six at the time. (laughs) So my sister was a year younger. And my dad had just taught us to play craps like a day before. And so I, so I and he did that. He taught us boxcar, snake eyes, you know, all that stuff. a little Joe. <laughs> so there's there's me and my sister in the hallway throwing craps, you know, throwing dice against the wall, you know, and saying hard eleven and you know, just things like that. And uh, and yeah, I mean, I've I've kind of had a soft spot for dice ever since then. And, uh, you know, like I have my dad's poker dice that he had, um, when he was in Vietnam. Um, I have a pair of hot dice, you know, that roll sevens every time. Uh, just never, never role playing with Max, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And so just, just things like that. I mean, there's, um, I don't know. There's just, there's something appealing about, about it to me that, uh, that makes me keep coming back to them. Wow. You're always so good right at the end of giving this emotional <laughs> beat to this story that's so meaningful. And now Rob's going to talk about Slurpee Cups. All right, Rob. <laughs> yeah, I know. Geez, how am I supposed to follow that for God's sake? <laughs> uh, I, I, all right, I'll flip it around a little. I mean, the stuff I just talked about is all stuff I still collect. I get Slurpee Cups. I get the Razor's Edge. I get – I don't really buy Aquaman stuff. It's usually when somebody gifts me something, then I add it to the collection. Most of the stuff I still have is, is – stuff that friends have given me over the years. Uh, I will say the one thing I do to, to keep the collections at a reasonable rate, because Max, as you asked, yes, uh, we are in an apartment. Um, we'd love to have a house, everybody, by the way, uh, patreon.com slash FW podcast. Oh my gosh. But, uh, um, <laughs> is, does it work that way, people? Uh, oh, oh, yes, it does. Uh, <laughs> so, is that, you know, we have limited amount of space. And so I have determined that the amount of space I have, uh, for my stuff is the space and um, whatever I collect has got to fit in that space. And if it doesn't, something's got to go, 
you know, within reason. And I'm kind of that way with my Blu-rays. You know? Sorry, like, Kelly, you're out. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. All, the rest of the apartment is her stuff. This is one room I have here. Um, but, you know, but I mean, I just decided like, okay, I don't need to own, uh, you know, 500 of this thing. And so, you know, every so often I will get rid of something and I will say, uh, it just occurred to me, every single one of the people on this call has received something from me from one of my collections. Oh. I have sent you, and I'm, that's not me being super generous. It really is just like, you know what? This thing has been sitting on my shelf. I don't look at it. It's just part of the collection. And I know that this person would enjoy it a lot more than me. And I send it off, and I always feel good about that. I have never given something away and then regretted it. I have always, now, I have sold stuff in a in a financial pinch sometimes and those things i have regretted but i have never regretted giving something away and so that's how i managed to do it i kind of have every i have two bookshelves here and some stuff on the top and i have three short boxes of comics and that's about it and that's generally what i stick to and uh that's i've found it that that's kind of workable for me and that it to me it keeps it fun it keeps the collection from getting really out of hand i gotta say ryan do not collect records. They are so damn heavy. I mean, <laughs> I have I have a lot of Dylan records, and man, they are just heavy as hell. Uh, but but true to that, yeah. I mean, I, I try and keep things to a, a reasonable amount. And like I said, Chris, I'm glad you told us how you keep your blow molds because I'm like those things are so big. I'm like, does mm-hmm. he have like a bat cave out in Kentucky? Like, where does he keep all this? <laughs> so, but yeah, but that's what I've been doing. Is I I have a X number of space and whatever it collects got to fit in that space. Well, that's awesome. And and what a cool collecting. I didn't know what we're going to get into. I thought it was going to be five guys talking about action figure collections. Actually is what I thought going into this. So I'm really glad that we heard a whole different variety. So why don't we have a quick sign off? Everyone go around, uh, you know, either tell people where they can find you, whether it's stealing blow molds on the side of the road, you know, whatever, or what you're up to or what's, what's on your mind. Uh, Ryan, you want to go first? Well, yeah, before we actually do the the sign-offs and everything, I do want to hijack the discussion just really quickly. Um, I have a special announcement about the future of this podcast. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) No. um, Max just got canceled. (laughs) Yeah, no. Um, And I I wish that uh, that Siskoid and Boss could be part of this um, because I want to actually thank all of you guys um, sincerely um, for what you guys did during the Secret Origins Redux podcast sort of event thing that we did last year. Um, I, you know, I discussed on my episode sort of the the, the, the emotional journey that I went to that it took me to get to my episode. But then once I was done, you guys gave me something that I had never had before, which was the ability to listen to an episode of Secret Origins podcast for the first time as a listener, having not spent 13 hours on the episode before (laughs) that. Um, And it was an incredibly surreal feeling, uh, you know, to like hear you guys, you know, starting the the very next day when Cisco and Bass did theirs, um, hearing you guys say lines that I had written four or five years earlier, um, but also bringing your own spin to it and, and stories that I wasn't even familiar with and, and hadn't consumed. Um, and just, it was, it was really, really great. And it, it like, <laughs> for the first time I was like, 
is this what it felt like for everybody else to listen to this show? Is this why the show was so popular? Because this is really, really good stuff. Oh. I loved listening to those episodes. Those were some of like your four episodes of that show were some of the best of the hundreds that I listened to in 2020. And it was just a really great feeling. And I wanted to thank all of you guys sincerely for putting that level of work and, and, and committing to it and doing it. If, if it had to be somebody else, the way that I would have done it. Um, but also just giving me that something that I didn't know that I was missing, but it was just, it, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to say more than that without like, you know, blubbering, but it was, it was a very, very cool experience. And I think you all did a terrific job. Um, it meant a lot to me and I didn't even know that I needed it. Um, but yeah, I just want to thank you guys. Cause those were very great episodes to, uh, to listen to. Here I was wow. going to make a gag about Ryan collecting canceled podcasts, but now I can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ryan, that was that was very thoughtful what you just said, and and I think all of us understand that the, the way this network came together, it all happened at the right time because all the right players were in motion, and Secret Origins was part of that. I mean, Secret Origins is part of what led to the foundation uh, and the creation of the network, because we all kind of were circling the same world, and I think it meant something to all of us to be part of it. So I I hope I speak for everyone. When I say we we appreciate the opportunity. To contribute yeah i I also know that i really wanted to you know we yeah yeah ryan the question yeah the show is that good it was that good your version of it and i think all of us were like if ryan is nice enough to let us borrow this we really got to deliver because it's got to measure up it's got to be in the same league uh (laughs) user phrase as what ryan's doing as opposed to we all have our own shows in it. There are times where we're just like, ah, good enough. You know, <laughs> like it's <just> kind of <laughs> good enough, you know, but when it's, if you're, if, if we're borrowing someone else's, it's like babysitting somebody's child, Like you got to do it right. You can't be like, ah, close enough. No, no you got to make sure it's right. So I, I, yeah, I mean, that's how I felt about going. It was like, all right, we really got to deliver on these. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I just want to say, you know, those four episodes couldn't have happened without, you know, what you did, Ryan. And, uh, also, just want to, you know, tarantula sells itself. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'm glad you spoke up, Max, because I was going to say now that Ryan's delivered that really emotional message. Let's see if you can follow that one up, buddy, with your farewells for this episode. No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just you know, as as always, it's it's great to be included in these things. I love talking to you guys, um, and I hope everyone has enjoyed hearing about you know these. Uh, you know, to me, really interesting kind of things. I mean, I'm I'm all about you know blow molds and and, and uh, slurpy cups now. The, um, but uh, yeah, you can find me here on the network, and you can find me on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Twitter most most of the time nowadays, just because it's all it's all hell. But uh, you, yeah, you can find me with my name. You can find me at it's Plastic Man, and you can find me at Mirror Factory. Awesome, Chris. What about you, buddy? Uh, you can find me on the JLU cast I do with Cindy and Batman Nightcast with Ryan and Power Records with Rob and uh, coming soon Superman Movie Minute Superman Three Movie Minute uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I uh, thank you guys um, you know for uh, for opening expanding my uh, knowledge of collecting things too because unfortunately there was never I don't think there's ever been a Seven Eleven in Kentucky I know that's insane. Uh, so not what? a lot of Slurpee cups in the wild. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not, not any in my area anyway. And, uh, and Moldorama machines, I, I just know through, uh, 
basically through the the Frankenstein that they did years ago, and and now they're doing a new one. So I'm next time if I ever see one, I'll be like, ooh, now see now now I know what's going to happen. I'm going to start collecting those things too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can also, by the way, you can bait if you want to find a Chris. You can just bait him by leaving a blow mole on the side of the road in Kentucky. But anyway, That's right. uh, Ryan, what about you, buddy? Uh, you can find me on Cheerscast. Uh, we're coming down to the end of season three. Uh, Fire and Water Records, uh, Batman Nightcast with Chris. Give me those. Star Wars is, is sort of inexplicably making a comeback, uh, <laughs> uh, and a few other shows on uh, FW Presents. Um, I also want to mention that whenever I get vaccinated and it becomes safe to travel, uh, I'm going to take my kid back to Brookfield Zoo in, in the Chicagoland. And, Max, we're going to get you out there. We're going to meet up, and we're going to go to the Brookfield to find some uh, Moldoramas there. Hey, I'm ready. That's awesome. Uh, for myself, you can find me all over the network, but mainly, apparently, uh, trolling the used bookstores looking for old Doctor Who books is where I guess you'll find me nowadays. So, uh, Or JLI podcasts and all the other shows that uh, come out on Sunday for the most part. Rob, why don't you uh, sign off and, and bring us home? Okay, well, of course, I'm all over the Fire and Water Podcast Network, and I'm on Twitter a lot. And uh, thanks to the uh, QAnon Nazi purge they do, I am now fully one-third of Twitter. So, <laughs> very exciting news. <laughs> you know, I mean, I have a lot of usernames. I'm willing to sell certain people. So, you know, contact me if you want. Again, we want a house. So, uh, yeah, I said I'm all over Twitter. I'm all over the network. And I am I, – I forget who – uh, initially had the idea on Patreon for the collecting comic show, but it was uh, Philip Rutledge. Philip Rutledge, thank you, Philip, because that turned into a really fun show, which spun off this really fun show. And I think I speak for the rest of us to say we need to do a third episode on just the Moldoramas. Like, <laughs> so this chain is just going to go on forever. How many spinoffs we can do of this thing? So this has just been. A total blast. So, again, thank you, Philip Rutledge, and thank you to all of our Patreon supporters for inspiring us with these ideas because this has just been totally fun. I, I really think we need a YouTube series, Those Wonderful Slurpee Cups. <laughs> if, I, if, I can, if I can learn how to use that program, I can use Adobe, if I can learn how to use Adobe Premiere again, I've forgotten. It's been so long. I will absolutely make one of those videos. <laughs> All right, folks, I think with that, we're going to sign off. Uh, we don't have any clever catchphrases uh, except for referring back to what Max said. It's, it's got the smell of hot and melted plastic in here. <laughs> what about collect them all? There it is. <laughs> Nobody's used that one before. <laughs> Anybody who grew up in Chicago knows Moldorama. I mean, they've been at the Museum of Science and Industry for 50 plus years. They've been at Brookfield Zoo for 50 plus years. The feeling when a young child comes up or an adult and they get that big smile on their face, you know, that's instant reward. It's, it's an awesome feeling. <laughs>